0: To well, Ramone, all
1: I got is you. hello everyone and welcome to porch talk presents sports talk i am adam van and i am joined as always with my co-host when it comes to all discussion of sports and that's marcus what's going on marcus
2: happy to make the hot tag and join you on the porch to talk some sports man and uh I see a little bit of the the grease shelf behind you. I'm not mad at it. (laughs) (laughs) I always, you know what, again, on the porch, we do
1: video podcasts. I know that's frowned upon some other places in the soon-to-be-named network, but I make sure that anybody who has the unfortunate uh, displeasure of looking at my face gets to see a cardboard cutout of Alexa behind me, so... (laughs) uh enjoy enjoy
2: <laughs> prime too respectfully
1: <laughs> and the best thing is like nobody gets to see what's what's on the wall on the other side of the camera like, that's <laughs> just for me to look at
2: <laughs> i'm afraid to ask <laughs> bit, after the show <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm happy to to talk sports with you here because uh over at final wrestling place me and tim might talk a little bit of sports but he reels me in so i can't really like really go into like any further details, expound about, expound about anything. Um, and we know that Papa Joe frowns upon it as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to do uh if I want to talk sports, I have to make a whole different uh, podcast with, uh, with Todd. So. Yeah. <laughs> the,
1: the, the great uh, helmet podcast, uh, no That's chance right. in helmet limited run engagement. Go check that out. But yeah, uh, one of my highlights, uh, one of the many highlights of listening to final wrestling place is uh, the occasional baseball rant or celebratory conversation that comes in there and also listening to Tim jump on and off of bandwagons as the <laughs> seasons go by.
2: Yeah, he's definitely uh, he'll like check in maybe once or twice a month. Check out. Yeah. <laughs> come back. Check in. Say, hey, how are my teams doing? All right. just checking, the temperature.
1: Just, checking the temperature. just check that'll
2: determine the next time he checks in. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but absolutely. So you and I had kind of loose plans to do uh, this episode for a while now. Uh, The original plan was to do it before the playoffs started, but, uh, you know, things come up. You're a busy dad. uh, I am busy doing doll safaris and sleeping (laughs) till one o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, happy to get it... it in now.
2: Yeah, it's mostly just me being forgetful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> nah, it's, it's all good, it's all good But you know what, it's it's a good thing that we did it today mm-hmm. Because today was a good day, Marcus
2: Today was the, the best day we've had uh, in quite some time
1: Oh, Tell them about it, tell them about it
2: uh, So as of recording, this is uh, October 17th uh, in the year 2022 18th and, Oh, it's the 18th already? <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, there we go, I'm forgetful It's October 18th um, And the Yankees have Just uh, completed a five-game series with the um, very scrappy Cleveland Guardians uh, Taking the series three to two, uh, winning two games in a row uh, Which I thought was not going to happen Yeah, Uh, So yeah, uh, New York, we're going to be on to Houston in my mind I enjoyed the win for about three minutes and it's on to Houston Uh, I know some of our uh, mutuals online are not over it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cleveland fans, but hey, uh, it's it's a, it's kind of a little brother big brother situation. You want to punch up to to big brother, and sometimes big brother's got to put you down, remind you where you're at. And uh, <laughs> like I said, we're on to Houston.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like going into this series against the Guardians, I fully expected. I I, I don't want to come off as arrogant because, and we'll get into this later on in the show. Uh, I do not have strong feelings of, like, a deep Yankees run, but I always assumed that they would handle the Guardians. Mm. Like, I did not expect that to go to five games. I fully expected, in my mind, that we'd win the two in New York and win one of them in Cleveland And I had a very vigorous and long planned out trolling campaign of things I was going to tweet if the Yankees won in Cleveland about it being Aaron Judge's land now. And uh, and honestly, it got to the point where I was convinced that there was no chance the the Yankees were going to pull this off like three run lead, four run lead. Nope, not good enough. We need 20 runs or somehow they're going to dink and dunk their way back to take in this thing and I at no point felt confident in that series after after game two.
2: No, um especially on Twitter when uh the lineup from the Yankees got put out and like the pitching rotation got put out for the rest of the playoffs. And Boone is out there giving quotes about uh this is our plans for game two, three, four, and like we'll figure out five. And like you, I figured we would wrap this up in four. But as soon as I saw Boone almost premeditating to botch two games of the series, I'm like, why would we do such a thing? (laughs) Why not just end it when we can? And we messed around and it felt like we intentionally lost game two. We intentionally lost game three. Uh, And then we had to, to. turn the jets on and really scrap, uh, and get the bats going to wins game, win game four and five. Uh, so yeah, I was definitely panicked. I was definitely panicked. Thankfully we got a, uh, an ACE outing from Severino in game three, which is like, okay, we're going to get this. Uh, and then that's when really the bullpen mismanagement really kicked in.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate. And like you mentioned Severino having uh, an ace outing. I mean, you got to give credit. This is probably the best postseason that Cole has had as a Yankee. Mm -hmm. And obviously Nestor Cortez, a guy that a year ago, if you said, oh, your playoff lives are going to be dependent on Nestor Cortez, like you wouldn't have gone into that feeling confident. But like when there was the rain out yesterday and they said that because of the extra day that Cortez was going to start, like it was a weight was lifted off my shoulders, you know, having him go.
2: Yeah, I was concerned because I think there's a stat in the last couple years, starters on three days rest in the playoffs are like seven and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ERA is like six or something ridiculously high, um, So I didn't, I was like, ooh, once I heard that, I wasn't too sure about it. But um, I don't know the splits, but I felt like Cleveland struggled a bit with left handed pitching with so many righties uh, in their lineup. And um, so that was kind of our saving grace. And yeah, like you said, to think that Nestor was going to be our second ace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
2: um even going into the playoffs i didn't believe it. i was like he's a he's a game three guy and like i know we like Sevy, but i figured we'd piggyback Sevy with another starter um
1: well there was a lot of people saying that cortez should have pitched game one you know that, right. that was a huge argument because you know cole had a good season he led the league in strikeouts but he gave up a billion home runs right and he was not the shutdown ace that you know, he was in Houston. So there was a, a very strong case to having Cortez be the number one, but you kind of got to start the guy that you're paying $100 <laughs> a hundred million dollars an inning to. You know?
2: Yeah. There was, there was almost like no internal Yankees debate about it as far as like uh, the front office went, like Cole was getting the ball game one. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there was a discussion because like Nestor pitched great this season. He really carried the team. Cole had his ups and downs. Nestor, he had a couple bad starts here and there. I would say no more than three or four, whereas Cole, like, his whole September was not very good. Uh, He really struggled down the stretch. So I was nervous a little bit. uh, But Cole gave us two dominant ace outings. Um, Even though ace outings are a little bit different now than what they used to be, uh, I think think if you can go a quality start and only give up you know two runs um I think that's a an ace outing in these these the current climate of playoff baseball so yeah I think Cole uh some people online ask you this do you think Cole earned his pinstripes
1: winning uh, a divisional series game series whatever I don't think that that does enough like that can earn you whatever the the pinstripe pinstripe equivalent is on a lot of other franchises, mm-hmm. but obviously it's cliche to say 27 championships. We're not playing for a trip to the ALCS, right? You know, so thank you for what you did in that round, Cole. But like, you ain't earn your pinstripes. And the same thing with like, you know, people are giving the flowers to Harrison Bader and Giancarlo Stanton and. Like I'm, I'm not willing to put these people in the pantheon of Yankees unless they get it done and they haven't gotten it done yet. You know, we'll get into our predictions later on, but um, one other thing that, you know, to kind of wrap this up uh, as far as the series with the guardians, one of the places other than the dink and dunk and bloop uh, offense of the guardians, but one of the places where they were really good was their bullpen. Yeah. And that was an area that, you know, maybe leading up to the all-star game or three quarters of the way into the season. We're like, man, we got the bullpen locked down. Right. And then everybody died.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There was huge discussions back in like looking into the postseason back when we were, you know, (laughs) a hundred and two, it felt like, Um, who's going to make this playoff roster because, you know, you can't carry more than 13 pitchers. Uh, The bullpen was so stacked, like, there was going to be at least two people left off the roster just from the bullpen alone who deserved to be there. And King went down, and Chad Green went down, and Johnny, thankfully now, has turned it on. But Liza looked bad, and Chapman was shut down and looked bad, and Clay Holmes reached his uh, career high for innings pitch before the All-Star break. (laughs) And, like, anybody who's seen baseball before could tell you, like... Maybe you should cool off on that guy. Um, So, yeah, I was definitely concerned about the bullpen coming into this. Cleveland had that advantage. Um, And, yeah, hats off to Cleveland. Like, they've got the low payroll, uh, you know, small town market, all that good stuff. But, like, I mean, they took the Bronx Bombers and uh, the the multi-million dollar evil empire to the limit. Yeah. and, and they really made us – really made the guys getting paid a lot earn those paychecks, like Stanton and Judge, or presumably Judge, uh, with, with his next <laughs> contract. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I was definitely concerned about the bullpen. But, um, yeah, I guess later on when we preview the Houston series, I hope we didn't uh, work ourselves into a shoot. Like, I hope we didn't unload everything we had to get to the ALCS.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you can't leave – any bullets in the chamber right. and then not make it so right. uh it's like that wild card game a couple of years ago where the the orioles or buck Showalter walter didn't play uh zach Britton. you know speaking yeah. of relievers <laughs> you know in a, in a tie game he, he didn't want to waste Britton because he wanted to save him for the series that they weren't guaranteed to be in yet you know
2: yeah that's happened a couple times the last few years like you said britain uh with Baltimore. I remember Washington did it with Strasburg. The Mets did it with Syndergaard and Grom. So, yeah, there's a long history of that. So you got to you got to get it done to to make it.
1: Absolutely. But uh, again, congratulations to the Guardians. Congratulations to the Guardians fans. Heck except for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as Marcus alluded to, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go over some predictions of end of season regular season awards kind of like what marcus and i think are and we'll get into this in a second like the cy young award winners the rookie of the year and so on and so forth and kind of present our cases for who we think the winners of these awards and these are regular season awards obviously uh there might be some bias leaking in uh as far as who did what in the postseason but we'll do our best to stomp that out but uh marcus Let's start with pitching, since we were just talking about the bullpen. All right. I'm going to throw it over to you. Who do you think should be the National League Cy Young Award winner?
2: Uh, if I had a vote, my National League Cy Young Award winner would be Sandy Alcantara from the Miami Marlins. Now, the Marlins didn't much didn't make much noise uh, during the season. Um, I think the most noise they made was before the season started, when Derek Jeter left. <laughs> Uh, that was the highlight and low point of their season Uh, but this guy pitched outstanding I want to pull up his stats real quick from uh, this season Uh, now he kind of had some Cy Young buzz going into the season but it was a lot of like put him in like a top five category right or like top 10 vote getter Um, but let's see
1: I actually have some stats
2: here Oh, okay pull them up yeah
1: I agree with you. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was my uh, National League Cy Young uh, presumptive winner as well. Sandy Alcantara, a guy who I had in fantasy baseball last year before he quite figured it out. And then I didn't draft him this year because Uh, I was like, ah, he didn't do well for me last year. uh, So I'm going to pass on him. But Sandy had a 2.28 ERA.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, Led baseball in innings with 228 and two thirds innings with six complete games and 14 wins on a very bad team.
2: Yeah, that's just, <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting that. Um, even from the guys that you're paying, uh, you know, buku bucks to, you're just not getting that. Um, and the Marlins are one of those teams that they're stocked with starting pitching. And you yeah. really would have wished they would have, taken one or two of those arms either from (laughs) the farm system or the major leagues and go get some bats which is what jeter wanted um but in all that turmoil for this dude to show up and pitch like people kind of predicted him to but at the same time like exceed those expectations as well i was blown away um being in a philadelphia market i get to see a lot of phillies games uh, whether i want to or not uh so i got to see sandy pitch quite a bit uh and then also it seemed like anytime they had a west coast game it was always like the MLB network game. Uh, so if I was up late, I was watching like him versus the Dodgers. The Dodgers kind of owned him, which was weird. But uh, if, any other West Coast games that he pitched on, like he was just tremendous. So uh, that's my son, Cy Young vote award winner.
1: All right. Yeah. Like we actually, like I said, we overlapped on that and we're going to alternate just so I don't seem like I'm currying favor with you and uh, just copying your answer. So I'm going to go over to the American League for Cy Young. I was kind of torn on this. Uh, I could have very easily, I could have done a bit and just picked a Yankee for every one of them (laughs) because (laughs) Garrett Cole did lead uh, the match, the major league baseball in strikeouts with 257. So I could have said Cole, I said, could have said Cortez. Um, There is the obvious front runner, but I'm going to actually go with Dylan Cease from the Chicago White Sox. Okay. Um, Did not quite have the, the national exposure of maybe a Verlander. But he had a streak in the middle of the season where he had 14 starts in a row with one runner fewer.
2: Yeah, that's uh, incredible.
1: This is another guy who just played on an underwhelming team. You know, he didn't get a lot of wins because the White Sox were booty. And, uh, you know, just kind of didn't put it together under Larusa. Russa. But uh, Cease was a guy, again, I hate to bring it back to fantasy, but I rode him for a lot of wins that I did not deserve. Uh, so Dylan Cease is my pick.
2: Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere because... It was kind of like the third or fourth arm for Chicago and didn't have the same hype as like a Kopech or um, Giolito did. And um, yeah, he really came out of nowhere this season, just pitched lights out. Uh, One of the few high points for a very disappointing White Sox team. Uh, Kind of a chic pick to win the World Series or at least go to the World Series this year uh, and to come out of the AL mid, but that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is where... I let my own narrative affect my judgment. Uh, as good as Cease was, you mentioned his name. My vote-getter would be Justin Verlander. Um, not just because he's coming off of Tommy John, but uh, pulling up his stats. Uh, so he did go 175 innings pitched. He did have a 15-day DL uh, IL stint in September, which was kind of one of those, like, phantom IL stints just to cool him off for the
0: yeah, uh,
2: playoffs. Reverse. And he didn't have a great playoff start either uh, against the Mariners, I believe. Yeah, he got rocked against the Mariners. Um, but like just talking regular season, he pitched one hundred and seventy five innings for a guy who's pushing forty years old. and uh, on a team where they didn't need him to do that, the Astros really could have slept walk uh, to win their division. I think a couple people were like, "Oh, what about the Mariners? What about the Angels?" And we'll talk about them later. <laughs> um, but it, it was Houston's division the whole time, and they really didn't need that kind of performance from them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just super impressed by Verlander, um, especially with you know his home starts like pitching with the Crawford boxes out there. <laughs> like if you hit a a pop fly to pop fly to left field, it's uh it's gone at like three hundred feet.
1: But, but Marcus, that's a major league baseball stadium. It's not a little league field
2: like in New York. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Not New York where it's four Oh eight, uh, to hit a ball out of center field. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I had Verlander on my short list, as I mentioned before, uh, an interesting stat that I found out, like obviously great season on a great team. 1.75 ERA was actually the lowest ERA from a starting pitcher that was qualified since 2000, uh, so like that's 22 years of baseball. And as wow. you mentioned, a guy that uh, who knew, like, was he ever going to be able to come back and be a starting pitcher right. or Reliever, or, uh, or is he just going to go home to Kate Upton and just say the heck with this?
2: You know, <laughs> <laughs> stronger man than I am. I sure.
1: know <laughs> <Just take laughs> those, those Detroit paychecks and stay home. Uh, but yeah, uh, a great pitcher. And maybe his name will come up later in another category. Maybe it won't. But, uh, yeah, so interesting there. We crossed over on one, and we didn't cross over on the other. So I'm going to move it over to Rookie of the Year. Marcus, National League Rookie of the Year, if you would.
2: Uh, Let me pull up my vote-getter stats. Um, My National League Rookie of the Year would be Michael Harris, the second center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Tim's Atlanta Braves, (laughs) when he wants to check in. Um, I... Trying to see when he got called up. Uh, I think he was a May call up, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, it was but,
1: middle, kind of like middle of the season, if I'm not. Yeah, I, it's, I'm fuzzy on that.
2: Okay, but yeah, he definitely started the year in Triple A. Uh, came up to big leagues. He had 414 at bats, 123 hits, 75 runs scored, and he mostly batted towards the bottom of their lineup. So like for him to get 75 runs, that's pretty good um 21 uh based on balls 64 RBI hit 297 in a year where the league average was like 220 or down down towards there um so he was really an above average hitter this whole season
1: yeah what and... i'm seeing if i may uh i'm seeing here when atlanta called him up they were 22 and 24 so they were 46 games into the season with a below 500 record And after the call up, they were major league best 79 and 37.
2: Yeah, he was kind of the spark to get that offense going Um, because they had so many dudes who, you know, know, talking about like how high players are paid or whatever, but like there's a lot of big earners on those Braves teams that have earned those contracts by coming up to the farm system and and delivering on their expectations, uh, like Acuna and and like Albies and, and guys like those. Um, and recently traded Matt Olson. Uh, so yeah, for him to come up and for the Braves to like recognize that, Hey, we can't just bank on being world series champions. Like that was last season. We got to do something to get this team going for him to be the call up and to be that move uh, as opposed to going to the trade market and for him to come up and perform like that. Uh, he's definitely my NR rookie of the year.
1: Yeah. And they have him locked down long-term, I
2: believe. Yeah. He signed a big boy contract too.
1: Yeah. Um, I had Michael Harris on as like a 50-50. I was going to wait and see if we had any overlap on this and if you can convince me to your case. My other person, I'm going to I'm going to leave this my my decision for a second, but my other person was actually also from Tim's Atlanta Braves
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that is rookie pitcher Spencer Strider. Yeah. Um I mentioned strikeouts a bunch. I mentioned Cole strikeouts and ceases. This dude had a uh, (laughs) 13.8, almost 14 Ks per nine. That's insane. 202 Ks from a rookie pitcher. Um, The reason why I think I might lean towards Strider is because you never see a rookie pitcher deliver on the hype. It's always their second year, the third year. They come up with a lot of promise. And they're always on like an innings count right. or they just can't quite figure out major league pit uh, batters yet. And uh, it takes them a year or two for it to click. Uh, but Strider hit the ground running. And yeah. uh, I think it's much harder to, to just come out as a rookie pitcher and not have your arm fall off within the first month.
2: So I'm going to go Strider, especially in that division too. Like that's a... <laughs> Yeah. Sure, the, the Marlins are kind of a, a freebie, but, like, you got to compete with the Mets. And not just compete, like, you're on a World Series team. And to hold your own against the Mets and against the Phillies, So like, whew, that's, yeah. that's tough.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, the Braves had a, a great regular season. My apologies again to Tim. Uh, if he doesn't listen to this, shame on him. But by all means, extend my condolences for the disappointing <laughs> early exit. But... All right, so again, we're kind of off track with that one. So let's go over to the American League. and I'm going to go first on this one. And this, I don't think, is who people will pick as their rookie of the year. Maybe he's in their top five. But this also might be a case of recency bias. But I'm going to go with Stephen Kwan from the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Obviously, having just watched the playoff series against the Yanks, it's not relevant to the award, but still, this is a guy that's impossible to get out during the mm-hmm. regular season. He batted 298 for a freaking rookie. Uh, I think he struck out three times all season, you know? but no, <laughs> he actually had 62 walks to 60 Ks. So he walked more than he struck out, and he played pretty much the whole season. I think yeah. he was on the roster from spring training. I don't think he started right away, but within the first few weeks of the season, he was their everyday starter, everyday leadoff guy. Uh, Just a guy who constantly makes contact, constantly got on base, was driven in by uh, all the Ramirez and all the other guardians. Uh, Stephen Kwan's my pick for the rookie of the year.
2: Yeah, they even let go of uh, Oscar Mercado. Uh, or Mercado uh, during the season, who was going to be like their big kind of outfielder, um, and Kwan just outplayed him, and Mercado could never get off the ground this season, and they they let him go, I think in July or August. Um, also, as a uh, opportunity maker and taker, uh, <laughs> Quan was easy money, cat uh, <laughs> king of the parlay. You you throw him in a hit parlay, and you know he's coming through. If you want to throw big money down on a a Quan opportunity for one hit or two total bases he's coming through every single time so uh Mr. Quan I would like to thank you <laughs> uh, Marcus, you, gotta start,
1: you gotta start like a not a 1 900 number that's Joe's gimmick but let's start like a, a website behind a paywall with some of your betting advice you know no, it
2: hasn't been <laughs> you don't want it the last couple weeks it hasn't been too good
1: I think it's like uh major league baseball. You just gotta be right. Three times out of 10. You'll be a hall of famer.
2: Like a weatherman. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Who's your American league pick?
2: Uh, I am going to go with the sexy pick. Uh, and that is Julio Rodriguez uh, center fielder for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Seattle Mariners have a longstanding history of these rookies that come up and perform huge uh, and then take their team to the playoffs. And they haven't had that in quite some time. Uh really since A-Rod. Yeah, um
1: Ken Griffey Jr.
2: <laughs> yeah, A-rod Ken Griffey Jr., right. Um, so for uh Julio Rodriguez to get the call up to start the season, uh hitting leadoff. And this this kid hit 28 home runs in what is very much a pitcher's ballpark, uh 75 R uh 75 RBI. Uh, 25 stolen bases as well 40 bases on balls he did strike out a good bit uh, 145 times but that batting average uh up was up at 284 the on pace on base percentage was 345 um ops plus uh yeah one dot yeah so he he did great um i was super impressed by him and he also got a big boy contract. Uh, while the season was still ongoing so he's going to be in seattle for quite some time Um, and he definitely lived up to the hype he does you know i'm not going to say he's uh, in the same air as uh, my favorite player of all time ken griffey jr Um, but he's definitely living up to the hype and uh, i think a rookie of the year award is in order for him
1: yeah it's a guy that obviously based on those stats had a great year and you mentioned that seattle's ballpark is cavernous to put it lightly one of my favorite feel good baseball players. Like I obviously I gravitate to the un, like a lot of lesser tier players, as a lot of people know, Nick Swisher is like one of my favorite Yankees. Uh, but like, I am a huge fan of Jesse Winker, who played mm-hmm. in great American small park for the yep. <laughs> Cincinnati Reds, just b- hit bombs after bombs <laughs> after bombs, got traded to Seattle. And I, I was big mad about that was big man, yep. Yeah. And he never hit another home run again. <laughs> I think he was like Willie Mays Hayes in the major league movies where he was just hitting to warning track over and over again. You know? <laughs> and like half of his fly balls would have been out in Cincinnati, but they weren't in Seattle. So it's a tough place to hit. Um, But yeah, it's just one of those things. West coast, you just don't see enough of their games when you live right. on the East coast, you know?
2: Right. And the main thing for him too, to, to really like anchor that team uh that ended their what 20 something year playoff drought yeah <laughs> uh, that kind of gives him the extra boost for me oh,
1: and then yes. and,
2: and in the playoffs like he was he was phenomenal too
1: yeah i saw a great graphic you know on social media where it was like one of those things where like the last time the mariners won a playoff series or a playoff game it was like you know my space wasn't invented yet and uh, wow. the ipod didn't exist <laughs> <laughs> like all of those things so Uh, Good on the Mariners. Uh, Hopefully next year they'll uh, next year will be their year, maybe to at least get out of the first round.
2: Yeah. Maybe they'll see the Yankees in the ALCS.
1: Oh, good. We'll stomp them out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit and I'm going to go with something that I don't even think this is a real award. This is more of an NFL award, but hell with it. This is our show. I'm going to go with comeback player of the year. Or most improved player, however you want to shape it. But let's start with the National League, Marcus. Do you have a National League comeback player of the year?
2: Sure, do it's uh, Ronald Acuna for uh, the Atlanta Braves. Tore his ACL last season. Uh, once he tore his ACL, it was kind of like, oh no, like the Brave season is done, pack it up. Uh, he is one of these generational talents um, that seem to be coming by more frequently
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> in
2: baseball, but. Uh, yeah, for him to come back from a torn ACL as quick as he did, they started him off in uh, as DH. Now, his, his numbers haven't really matched his career numbers, but still, like, it's going to take you a long time to come back from an ACL injury. Those aren't even, like, super, super common in baseball. You more often get, like, your elbow injuries uh, and back and lat injuries. So, um, to come back from a, an ACL, uh, to work his way back, and then to be a big part of that Atlanta uh, offense, um, yeah, he's my comeback player of the year.
1: A lot of valid points. The only thing I will not disagree with you on, but say why I wouldn't consider CUNY for my award is, as you mentioned, very young guy, you know, somebody who has a ton of great years ahead of him. Uh, Odds were that he was going to, might not have been this season, maybe it would have been next season, but he was going to get back to where he was. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with somebody a little bit on the opposite age spectrum. And I'm going to go with Mr. Albert Pujols, the machine. Oh, yeah. This is a guy who, much like most players who go out to Anaheim, was left for dead. Uh, Just scrapped, said, go. We're not even platooning anymore. You're not worth a pinch hit. Uh, Obviously, he goes back home to St. Louis, to the Cardinals. Uh, As a part-time player, hits 24 home runs, 68 RBIs, a 270 batting average, which isn't great for Albert Pujols, but it's great for most of the league. And exceeds the 700 home runs, uh, gets to have a great farewell, doesn't have to go and retire with that question mark or finishing on 699. Uh, If that had happened, I would have wanted him to come back for the first week of next year. But uh, maybe as an old timer myself, I'm a little biased, but I had to go with Pujols.
2: Yeah, uh, Winnie the Pool Holes, Albert Pool Holes, uh, <laughs> me and Mr. Tim to this day will still mention um, just seeing Albert Pool Holes play like the Pirates and just turn on a fastball or a hanger uh, for like 700 feet. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a ball hit so hard uh, up until I saw Aaron Judge in person. Uh, but yeah, Pool Holes I think is, if you want to put a qualifier on it, um, you know, one of the best hitters of like the – the first 20 years uh, yeah. of the new century. Um, and then he had his little Dodger stint in there too. And yeah, towards the end of that, he just kind of looked like a DFA candidate. Like, Hey, like he's just washed out. He doesn't have it anymore. Uh, obviously, I mean, obviously he's what 42 years old or whatever. So to see yeah, him hey, go I'm back
0: to <laughs>
2: <laughs> in baseball years, that's yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
2: for him to go back to S- St. Louis where it wasn't like all roses when he left, um, especially with like them being like, we're not paying for yeah. past services um, to go there and kind of, you know, just put a nice little bow on that time and kind of atone for the what eight years or so that were just lost to time and space out in the, uh, <laughs> uh, L.A. for both teams. Uh, It definitely makes me feel good as a baseball fan to see him, especially go out with Wainwright and and Yachty, too. Um, That was just really special.
1: Can you imagine if not only if he didn't leave St. Louis, because there's something to be said about, like, playing there. And obviously, you know, it's not like Anaheim is this pitcher's ballpark. But, you know, he just always had better numbers, both as a younger player eight years ago and now as a 42 year old just seems to play better in St. Louis. Like, Mm -hmm. if he didn't, you know, leave on that big free agent deal, uh, or maybe you could say didn't get the the heel injury or the plantar fasciitis, I think he had. Something with his foot that kind of took away his power for a year or two. This is a guy who not only would have, like, potentially exceeded, like, Babe Ruth's home runs, but could have taken Bonds out, you know?
2: Yeah, for... Like if he goes to, if he stays in St. Louis, right. Which is, I think it's an average ballpark as far as, you know, lending towards pitchers or hitters. Um, But yeah, going out to LA and just like the instability of that franchise, he was there for the Josh Hamilton uh, fiasco years um, where they spent a lot of money on like the CJ Wilson's, um, you know, bad, a lot of bad contracts. Maybe he was one of them Um, and just a franchise that was like, hot and cold on spending and building a winner like when you pay albert pool holes, you're not playing for a wild card um like you need to go all in on world series and that franchise was just never all in um unable to build a farm system his whole entire career there um probably begging for somebody to come take his job <laughs> <laughs> still towards ed like i wouldn't say anybody earned the first base position it was just like we just have to try younger guys yeah so uh, my uh, okay, comeback, well, oh, Go ahead. I,
1: it's, it's my turn to recommend, and I want to lead this off Okay. because this has some pomp and circumstance to it and some respect that needs to be put on this name. And this is the entire reason why I wanted to go first on this one, Marcus. And I want to give my American league comeback player of the year to the most feared power hitter in all of baseball, the face of New York baseball, Matt Carpenter.
2: Oh, cart, baby.
1: (laughs) This is a guy who hit three. First of all, speaking of left for dead, this is a guy that the Cardinals, the aforementioned Cardinals were like, nah, you ain't good enough to be a bench player for us. Right. So he basically was like, all right, I'm out from the Cardinals. And he went to where major league baseball players go to die. The Texas Rangers wasn't good enough to play for the Texas Rangers. So he got DFA'd by the Rangers, signed by the Yankees, and basically in 47 games, hits 37 RBIs, 15 home runs, three, a 305 batting average. And this is my favorite part a 727 slugging percentage. Sheesh. Judge's slugging percentage was 686. <laughs> so nearly like more than 50 points higher slugging percentage than Judge. And yes, he had the foot injury and yes, he didn't quite come through in the two pinch hit, uh, appearances in the playoffs. But again, the playoffs don't matter for this, but, uh, nobody strikes fear into major league pitching like 2022, Matt Carpenter.
2: We line up on uh, our award. I do give it to carp. <laughs> um, you know, I was going to give it to Verlander, but Verlander yeah. got my Cy young love. Um, and you know, I think this is a perfect word for Carpenter. He had such a good story. Like you said, uh, getting played out, getting, uh, taken out back by the Cardinals (laughs) and getting put in the dome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then during the off season, like going to different batters, uh, going to like Joey Votto and going to different guys and like, just doing a tour of like, what can I change about my swing? And like Joey Votto is a guy who changed up his swing. Uh, and he probably did so to the tune of like a hall of fame, uh, nomination, uh, even though he really hasn't done too much as a player he's just been solidly consistent and found ways to reinvent himself uh and carpenter did the same thing uh focused on his launch angle he changed his swing which was like really cool to watch videos about that and like just how it like you know what 12 13 years in the bigs or whatever like to just completely change your swing and your mechanics and uh, not be too prideful to do that and just you know Hey, this is how I solved this is how I solved my problems 10 years ago. It's the same way I'm going to do it now. Like no, he, he changed things about himself. Uh blessing to get released by <laughs> the Rangers. Um, you know, who went out and spent a buttload of money in the off season. Uh and he had to end up in New York, which it definitely does help uh with the short porch, can't deny that. Um Carpenter was a a short porch king, but uh, he was putting up numbers that we literally have not seen in baseball during the stretch. He was better than Barry Bonds at his best stretch uh, when he broke the single season home run record. So, like, this was the best hitter that we've ever, (laughs) ever seen in our lifetime. Yeah, during that
1: stretch, that small sample size.
2: And then, you know, he just has a freak accident, uh, a break in a bone in his foot uh fielding the ball was that July, August, uh and he I said his first
1: fouled it. I thought it was like a foul, I'm not he, he might
2: have fouled it and then I know he was playing the field and like that's where it like really gave it. out. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Um but his first words, I'll be back. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not done yet.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh and sure enough, the last last series against the Texas Rangers, he's healthy, ready to go. Um I don't know if they really played him, but he was ready to go and, and back on the bench. So, oh, yeah. yeah, love that for Carpenter, and um, especially the year that the Yankees have. It's like, who's going to be the other bat? And you think it's going to be Stanton, but, like, he <laughs> had a Stanton year. So Carpenter really provided the the extra oomph in the lineup uh, other than Aaron Judge.
1: Yeah, man, I mean, it, it's one of those things if you're not a Yankee fan— you probably don't either know who Matt Carpenter is or know what he was able to produce during that small window where uh, he started getting a lot of pinch hit appearances and starting, uh, you know, starts, but man, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with him next year. Uh, I I hope he gets an invite to camp. I hope he makes the team, but I don't know. We'll see, but. I would like to think
2: he made himself at least like $5 million. Like. Just to be a DH uh, and clubhouse presence guy to to uh, tie this together in like a wrestling uh, um, uh, shoot like a wrestling um, comparison. Yeah, uh
1: so for Joe.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, you know how Christian was just like, "Hey, heck of a solid hand, <laughs> solid hand." His whole career, he had one good year. Was like, "Whoa, you're really good. You're top five guy for us," and then he just went back to being a solid hand. This this run was like his one more match run. <laughs> just <laughs> out of the blue, out of nowhere, late stages of his career, just all-time legendary stuff.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, Well, who's the Yankee that he's going to take under his wing to be his Luchasaurus? That's the, that's the next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the only thing we have left as far as awards... Is the big ones, but Marcus, do you have any other honorable mentions? Anything else you want to kind of shout out from the season? Any uh, awards that you want to hand out?
2: Uh, yeah, I have one I want to talk about and I'm a big trade deadline, dude. Uh, I hate how in baseball, like I, baseball has the most active trade deadline on a, um, all the sports, I think. Um, and you have your, your biggest chance of seeing a big name get moved during the deadline just cuz teams have different financial reasons especially with like the uh, not a salary cap but it's basically the salary cap um yeah, luxury the luxury tax. tax yeah uh teams trying to get under that uh teams willing to go over it you no know, circumstances pending uh so i live for the trade deadline and i wanted to ask you adam did you have a trade of the year something that you think a team a move a team made That you really thought put them in the edge uh, over the edge, whether it was for this season, whether it's also setting them up for next season, helping them make a playoff push uh, or something that you really liked, but just didn't work out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can spend 20 minutes complaining about the non trades that the Yankees made or the trades that they made that uh, ended up resulting in having a dead armed pitcher. Mm -hmm. But I think I'll go with the easiest answer. And that's Juan Soto to the Padres. Oh, okay. Um, obviously Soto, a guy who walks more, uh, gets on base more than any other player in baseball, like Barry Bonds levels of on-base percentage. And with the Padres losing to, uh, losing Tatis, the steroids, uh, getting that <laughs> suspension, uh, you know, the, the Padres looked like their playoff chances were going to, uh, kind of go down the toilet, but between Machado getting hot at the last minute and, uh, Soto, Finally finding his groove, and the fact that Soto's really young, and they have him for I believe two more seasons.
2: Two more seasons yeah, before you uh, even have to extend them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's obviously an up-and-coming franchise that's in the final four of the playoffs this year uh, that really stick their claim to potentially at least being a wild card threat in the, their division, their conference for the rest of uh, the next two years at least.
2: Yeah, i love the Soto move for San Diego or whoever was going to make it. Uh, I would that's have a deal. rather it
1: was New York. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, right. Um, Especially considering what it took to go get him. Like, you can only give up but so much to go get somebody. Yeah. And even looking at what the Padres gave up was like a fringe MLB-ready arm with Mackenzie Gore, their top prospect, and like another top prospect, and then like two lower end prospects like they gave up five or six players to go get the closest thing again that we have to Barry bonds uh talking about his his walk percentage and on base percentage and he's also like 22 years old and he's already won a world series and he's already been a clubhouse leader for a bad franchise he's already been through the ups and downs he's already experienced it all (laughs) and he's been in the league for like three or four years so i'm like you absolutely go get this dude And you don't even have to worry about extending him. Like you can make the trade and he will pay off the trade within those two years. You don't even have to extend him to justify what you gave up because those prospects aren't going to shake out. Um, I think like the closest comparison to that trade was the trade. The Tigers made for um, Miguel Cabrera. And they also like threw in Dontrell Willis uh, into that deal. And like, the only names they gave up was uh, like Cameron Mabin was the only <laughs> dude who like really turned into anything. And he's a replacement level MLB player. Like I love Cameron Mabin, one of my favorites, but like yep. just a sentimental favorite. Like he was underrated a top prospect.
1: Underrated yeah. yes booth guy too. Oh,
2: he's so good in the booth. So good in the booth. That's how he can get into the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, just for his career, he's just like, okay, he turned out to be an MLB player. Nothing special. Like that's what prospects are. And, like, if you give up a prospect and they turn out to be, like, oh, crap, we gave up Fernando Tatis before steroids, got a hold of him, then, like, shoot, it happens once in a blue moon. Um, so, yeah, just thinking, like, what the Yankees could have gave up, especially since we refused to play our prospects who we refused to give up. Um, yeah. Yeah, that really hurt.
1: Like, you and I speak a lot of the times in DMs about, like, trades and prospects, and obviously – I think I'm much more extreme than you are. Cause I'm always saying just, just get rid of the farm system. <laughs> I was like, we don't need a minor league system. Everybody you get, you go and trade. Cause all that matters is what's on the major league roster. Uh, and, and a lot of times I get out of hand, but I agree. Uh, should have dumped out the farm system for Soto. Uh, Fortunate for us, we still have all those guys, so we can dump them for Otani, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in uh, mm-hmm. this offseason. We'll see how that plays out. Otherwise, we'll have to revisit that for our hot stove episode when it comes up uh, in the spring, you know? Well,
2: yeah, I'd love to do a hot stove episode with you. Uh, and yeah, I already, uh, Ota- so Otani so Ota- Ota- signed like the one-year tender for them, um, which was like $30 million um or yeah it was a pre-arbitration contract so flat 30 million dollars for somebody who both pitches and uh hits very well um one that's a steal (laughs) yeah two uh reports came out i think early this morning or yesterday that otani is already back in japan and he's very candid in interviews so far talking about how he did not like this year with the angels And the instability, again, of the franchise and how they are directionless. And he feels like he's wasting time there. And then, like, as, uh, you know, Japanese custom, he was like, I don't have anything else nice to say about my time (laughs) (laughs) with the Angels this season. and like, left it at that. So, like, this is a dude you got to trade. Like, yeah, the Angels, they've had several people that they should have traded to replenish their farm system. Mike Trout's one of them. Yeah. Either they need to trade, and Otani's the other guy that you have to trade. And the problem is when the GM doesn't want to be the guy who trades Otani, doesn't want to be the guy who trades Mike Trout, but you've had these great players. You've had Trout for 10 years or whatever. Hasn't made a difference. You've yeah. had Otani for three or four years now. Hasn't made a difference.
1: Yeah, like I have some sympathy for Otani because if you remember when he was coming over to the States, uh, the Yankees were somebody that were heavily recruiting them. They were yeah. sending, a, was it Tanaka to talk to him? Yep. You know, and kind of sell him on New York. But at the end of the day, he chose uh, the Angels because it's a shorter flight back to Japan. You know, it was just basically a proximity thing. And I don't think he liked New York, which New York isn't for everybody. But, you know, so he ends up signing with the Angels, and maybe he didn't know what he was getting into. Uh, but I have no simpy for Mike Trout because... <laughs> He had, you know, eight plus years of his career of being on the Angels and seeing that, hey, they don't know what they're doing from a farm system standpoint, from a player acquisition standpoint. And he had his opportunity. uh, There's that word again. There it is. Uh, He had his opportunity a couple of years ago uh, to to get out of there. And he, for whatever reason, he signed a long-term deal with the Angels, which I believe has a no trade clause, you know? Yeah. He can, he can, I'm sure he can approve a trade if it ever comes to it, but, uh, he willingly sentenced himself to a career's worth of nobody seeing your games and not making it to
2: the playoffs. You know what we call that? We call that a walk behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Mike trout is a walk behind her baby. You know, he's afraid of the lights. Turn them off. They're too bright. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want it. Um, yeah, I lost a little, uh, little respect for trout. Just like staying with a notably bad franchise. Um, You know, I know being the highest paid uh, position player by annual uh, value helps, (laughs) helps the pain. Um, But another reason Otani stayed or decided to go with the Angels, I don't know if you know this, um, we had a scout in the Yankee system, Andrew something, I don't remember his last name. And he went and scouted Otani like years ago and him and Otani became friends. And he had the in with Otani, which is why the Yankees thought they had such a good chance with him. But this scout got hired by the Angels like the season or two before and was like a vice president of baseball operations or something. And so he had the in with Otani. And he was able to like help like, hey, it's a short flight. Like all, all the reasons that you said like he had the relationship with Otani that the Yankees didn't have the other teams in the mix just didn't have, like that was the familiar face. So it's kind, that it, him.
1: It's kind of like a high school football recruit that uh, the college really wants. So they hire the high school coach as an assistant right. to kind of lure him in. Yeah. Uh, I was not aware of that, but uh, any other things you want to mention before we get onto the main event?
2: Uh, yeah. I'll throw my trade of the year out there. Um, I talked about this franchise a little bit earlier. Uh, but the Seattle Mariners went out, and they did the thing, and they got Luis Castillo, uh, starting Aww. pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds. And I was even on the fence with uh, Castillo. I was like, he's a solid number two, right? You know, three. Worst case scenario. No. <laughs> this, dude, <laughs> this dude left a garbage team, uh, and he proved that he's an ace. And Seattle – Seattle gave up a lot to go get him. Like they really cleared out their farm system to go get this dude, but he's another guy. Like he had another year of control, I think. So he wasn't a true rental and then they signed him to an extension before the playoffs. So he's going to be there um, for the next five years. And he signed like a sweetheart of a deal too. It was like a hundred million dollars or something. Um, So he's already, (laughs) he's a, he's already outperformed his contract uh, and is due for another one. So yeah, that was my trade of the year. I thought the Mariners, going out and making the big splash and it was again it was like three days before the deadline um and a lot of people didn't think that castillo would be moved like that soon they thought it would be like a you know 24-hour window type thing
1: that was again one of those guys that we spoke about you know privately being a potential acquisition of the yankees and when for years when he fell off the board We went into like a panic mode. We're like, all right, who's still out there? And we thought we were getting uh, even money with Montas, you know, but uh, obviously that didn't pay off. But yeah, I am big jealous of Castillo.
2: We've been mostly positive here. If we gave out a negative (laughs) award for worst trade of the year, it's definitely the it's not like the Yankees gave up really anything to go get Montas. But he has been a complete bomb. He's been Sonny Gray 2.0. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and he's I mean, off Sonny the Gray playoff off roster. The you know?
1: <laughs> Sonny Gray showed up to work and didn't suddenly have a dead arm after two starts in New York. <sighs> yeah. Oh, bitterness. It leaks in again.
2: <laughs> At least we got uh, Trevino out of that deal. That's <laughs> That was the main the, the main piece we really got.
1: Yeah, and it turned out we needed the bullpen arms, so yep. it worked out. But all right, Marcus, I think it's time for the main event of our awards and we're going to go with the national league MVP. Who is your pick? Uh,
2: I'm going a little chalk here. I am going with a Paul Goldschmidt from uh, the, the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, This is a guy. He kind of always had like MVP uh, hint to him, but I figured at this point in his career, that's probably not going to happen. He's just going to be a a really solid player. Maybe he'll have a top five year, but uh, he really strung together a monster year along with Arenado, who I thought was going to win it um, and be the one to stay hot, but it was Goldschmidt. He had a quiet September, but he had wrapped up the award by then. Uh, He stayed healthy the whole year and uh, he helped the Cardinals not just stay around 500, but like eventually end up taking that division from the division favorites, the Milwaukee Brewers um, and completely knocked them out of the playoffs. So, uh, Goldschmidt gets my vote with uh, Freddie are... Freeman being a close second.
1: Okay. Uh, Freddie Freeman had a great season. We are going to be in agreement on this. And, uh, I, I dare say we might be in agreement on both MVPs, but we'll get to it when we get <laughs> to it. Paul Goldschmidt, as you mentioned, had a great season, three seventeen average, which, uh, uh, I don't believe that was number one, but he, well, Might have been. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but 317 average, a 404 on base percentage, 35 home runs, and 115 RBIs, as you mentioned, in the middle of a pretty darn good lineup. Uh, it's a no brainer. Paul Goldschmidt wins. And you mentioned that at this point in his career, because he's been playing what feels like forever going back to just years and years of losing on the Diamondbacks. Going into this season, I kind of had him in my mind as like a Rizzo level player, you know, a mm-hmm. guy who you know, isn't going to be your guy, your top guy, but would be a contributor, but he was the top guy on a loaded team. So, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt is also my NL MVP.
2: Yep. Been playing since 2011.
1: So <laughs> 11 yeah, years. Feel, yeah.
2: yeah, it feels like it's been forever, but
1: well, you know what it is every year in Arizona is three years in <laughs> real life. <laughs> it's the dry heat. All right. So AL MVP. I am not going to do any pop and circumstance on this. I say it's Aaron Judge. 3 three eleven batting average, 426 on-base percentage,
0: 61
1: mm. home runs, the American League record, dare say it, the, the non-cool real record, 131 <laughs> RBIs, and leader in every type of war, BABIP, FIB, DOS, UNO, every single type of statistical thing you can come up with, Aaron Judge led the league in by not a small margin. Marcus, take it from here and then we'll start getting angry. Uh,
2: This should be his second (laughs) American league MVP award going back to 2017, where he had an absolutely stellar campaign when he hit 52 home runs. Um, There's always for whatever reason, maybe it's because he's six, seven and a huge monster. There's always health concerns with Aaron judge. There's, all of the drama, which we can get to in a little bit, um, going into the season with him. Uh, none of it his fault, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but to show up and not 100%. just anchor, to, to carry the New York Yankees um, throughout the whole season, uh, there was parts of the season where after the All-Star break where you could take his individual stats and then you could take the rest of the team and Aaron Judge was outperforming the rest of the team. There was several series uh, towards the back end of the season where we played, like, Tampa Bay, and we played Houston, I think, uh, back-to-back series. Aaron Judge was responsible for every run scored, whether he batted them in or he was the run himself. Um, Like, that's MVP-type stuff. And it's not just the numbers he's putting up. It's the fact that it mattered to his team. You take Aaron Judge off this team... I honestly don't know what the Yankees are. Like, I know they still have a super high payroll, but like, this is the heart and soul and the body of the New York Yankees. Um,
1: If Aaron judge wasn't on this club this year, um, it is possible that the Yankees would have finished behind the Orioles. You know, like there's no way that they are uh, catching up to the rays. There's no way they're catching up to Boston or Toronto. They're going to be fighting it out with, well, I mean, Boston finished last, but just kind of my like going into the season mindset. Uh, as you mentioned, the entire New York offense after the all-star break was there in believe and believe in judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, Marcus, he doesn't pitch, so he can't win this award.
2: Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no disrespect to Mr. Atani. He is also doing amazing things things that we haven't seen before in our lifetime really things that have never been done before people go back to babe ruth but babe ruth was only doing it against like old out of shape white dudes and they literally wouldn't let anybody else play the game (laughs) um so what otani is doing is phenomenal um and like i don't want to take it for granted but he's not aaron judge and it's not having the impact that aaron judge has like aaron judge on He's also fielding. Like, Otani doesn't feel he DHs. So, like, for Aaron Judge to play center field almost all of the season, and center field's a position that is, like, unique to itself.
1: Yeah. It's built Uh, for speed. Like, smaller guys play an effective, you know, center field. Yeah. Giant dudes that or two sixty five should not be playing center field because they're not physically capable but the judge figures out a way to do it he's he's a unicorn in that sense yeah you
2: know? yeah he played an above average center field he's a gold glove right fielder they move him around to plug in the holes uh, as the season goes on and he doesn't no problem it's seamless um and that's not his role again so you know Sure. Otani pitches and Otani hits. Well, Aaron Judge hits better than Otani, and he also plays center field almost every day. Uh, Aaron Judge games played 157 out of 162.
1: Yeah. And uh, last year, uh, Otani played eight games in the outfield, and they weren't starts. They were just like he would be pitching and he would be shifted uh, into the outfield. That was before. They had the Otani rule where you can start a game as the pitcher and then kind of shift over to the DH. Um, here's my my measuring stick for it. And we can get stats in a second. But was Otani the best pitcher in the American League? No. no. He, he's not a Cy Young candidate. He might be in the top eight, you know, top seven. But he's not taking it from Verlander, from Cease. I mm-hmm. dare say he's not taking it from Cole. No. So he's not the best pitcher. In the American league. Uh, If he didn't pitch, is he a good enough hitter to win the American league MVP? Also no. Yeah, no, he's again, probably knocking on the top 10. I dare say probably not as good of a hitter as he is a pitcher. He's probably Mm -hmm. in the top 15, top 20, but nowhere close to the MVP race. So it comes down to this argument. Well, he does both. When you look at social media, You know, anytime somebody's arguing and somebody points at judges' numbers, they'll say, well, what's his ERA? What's judges' ERA? Meaning that, like, if you are a pitcher and a hitter and are somewhat competent in both of them, you should just automatically win the MVP for the rest of your career. So why don't we just throw out the award? If, If numbers don't matter, why don't we just throw out the award selection, just write Otani's name on it as long as he makes it a half of a season? You know, and just be all right, Otani won it this year. Let's move on and just forget about looking at stats or looking at, I don't know, how you contributed to your team winning because it's not the necessarily who had the best numbers award, uh, although we're going to treat it like that, I guess. But there's an essence to like, how did you help your team win? Right. And Otani as a pitcher helped his team win. Otani as a batter didn't do anything because you would have games where trout and Otani would hit a home run and they'd lose 20 to six or 20 or something like that. Um, And I get it. That's not Otani's fault that the pitcher was terrible, but like you can't just automatically give an award to somebody just because they're doing something you haven't seen before. You know, there's something to be said about the fact that judge, is the leader in every statistical category other than batting average by a million
2: miles. And, Which, and batting he, average, he was close. You know? He was close. He was close up until like the last three days of the season. Like yeah. he was pressing he, trying to get yeah. 62. Yeah. So um yeah, I just I don't know. Like it's it's definitely cool what Atani's doing. Um, some people do just want to put Otani's name on the MVP award, uh, until he's he's done or whatever, doesn't have the impact. But uh there was definitely a stretch there where the Angels were only winning games where Otani pitched. So like there's something to that, but at the same time, how many games did they win? Like <laughs> if you're so good and you're doing it on both sides of the ball, then like your bat needs to be carrying the team to wins. And when Mike Trout came back after the all-star break from what was a career threatening back injury, That, like, kind of got swept under the rug and people didn't pay much attention to it, again, because he's out with a bum team (laughs) in California. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, When Mike Trout came back, like, Trout had more of an impact with a bad back than Otani did through the the whole season. So, you know, with the MVP award, I do look at impact. Like, just, you know, it is a team game made up by individuals, but, like, you got to have an impact on your team. Like, you got to lead your team or be one of the main reasons that your team has success uh you know it doesn't have to be in the playoffs but like can you at least be all the way up there like can you be in the race up until the last week of the season like that's at least what i want to see out of my mvp at the minimum
1: yeah and and i don't want it to sound like i'm trying to bury otani I mentioned earlier in the show, I want Otani to be a Yankee. I will sacrifice several people that I know and love to get Otani on the New York Yankees. Definitely. He's a great player. But Judge had a historic season. You know, never before. I mean, people have won the Triple Crown, and obviously he fell short of the Triple Crown, but nobody won the Triple Crown with this type of numbers. Nobody led a league in home runs by this many. And then also had a killer on base percentage, had a killer slugging percentage, had a killer war, like everything that you can possibly quantify around him was just absurdly high, like historic levels. And I don't know the exact stats name. Obviously, we talked about war and wins above replacement, something you know a lot about. And (laughs) Judge. You know, the the knock on war was that it didn't take into account Otani's value as a pitcher. But there are all these extended wars and extended analysis numbers that like Fangraphs puts out on ESPN that take into account Otani as a pitcher and a hitter and factor that into war and judge as only a hitter and a fielder still beat Otani. So it's like if you want to point at these advanced metrics – there's not a single one of them other than ERA and wins and, and thrown and strikeouts. There's no like overall quantifiable number that justifies Otani being the MVP other than the fact that people are rightfully dazzled by his performance.
2: Yeah. And another reason that I'm just blown away by judge, um, this is a stat I wanted to get out there. Uh, so during Babe Ruth's historic career, uh, 15 years with the New York Yankees. He faced a total of 342 different pitchers. Huh. Aaron Judge this season, and the last time the stat was updated was September 22nd, so you can probably add a couple to that list. Aaron Judge this season alone faced 244 pitchers. Wow. <laughs> um, it's almost, it's a, almost a different game, man. Um, and for Aaron Judge to be doing that against guys who come out of the bullpen and facing different pitchers three, four times a game, fresh arms, guys throwing hundred miles per hour. Just yeah. nobody's doing, nobody did it like him.
1: Yeah. And, and we'll get some flack from any baseball old timers to listen to this, but you know, you can't compare numbers from hundred years ago, as you mentioned, baseball wasn't integrated. So there's a lot of talented athletes that weren't allowed to participate and you had pitchers throwing 13 game or 13 inning complete (laughs) games, uh, you know, so you'd have one guy going the entire time throwing his, his 76 mile per hour heater. So there, as you said, like you bring in this guy that's throwing 103 sidearm, you know, from the, like, not out of the stretch, there's no comparison to like what these modern guys are doing. I just don't see, unless you have, this bias, and granted, we're we're a little biased towards the Yankees. I I don't think we are, but some people might <laughs> accuse us of being biased towards the Yankees. But I think we're trying to be objective and using numbers here. But unless you have an axe to grind against Aaron Judge or a huge bias for Otani, like what are you basing that selection of trying to trying to pick Otani? It makes no sense.
2: When was the last time you were watching sports or other television and they cut into a baseball game? (laughs) I mean, they certainly didn't
1: cut into any Otani at-bats.
2: They never cut into any Otani at-bats, never cut into any Otani 12 strikeouts through six innings, uh, you know, in a loss to the Detroit Tigers, eight to four games. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not happening with anybody, man. Um, You know, Judge did the thing this season. He's my MVP we've never seen anything like it. We probably will never see anything like it again. I don't want to cap his, um, uh, his potential because if he stays healthy, I don't see a reason why he can't hit 55 or 60 home runs again. Um, But yeah. And then there's the whole argument. He kind of brought it up like, you know, steroids integration. Like there's always something for every generation and why it was such a big deal that judge hit 62 this season Um, the testing is stricter than ever. There is more banned substances than ever. Um, whereas in Babe Ruth's day, it was integration. You move on to the fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties, you're getting into the amphetamine era and they didn't test for that until like 2010, 11, like it was the there's like two collective bargaining agreements ago, that that was finally like, hey, mm. <laughs> stop with the amphetamines and we're gonna be <laughs> tested. Like, so guys were staying like laser focused, hyped up, charged up to play 162. So that's not an advantage that Judge has anymore. Whereas that was something that like Roger Maris and like those guys definitely uh, were partaking in. It's it's noted history. Um. And then you have, you know, steroids, which I personally think steroids rock. And (laughs) (laughs) you show me a failed drug test administered by MLB that Barry Bonds failed. And um, then I think that you have a case if you want to negate Barry Bonds home run records or any of his stats. Uh, Same goes for McGuire and Sosa. Um, I think the onus falls on MLB for not testing those years and turn not even turning a blind eye but allowing it to happen and then later be like no 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 like
0: yeah no
2: they breathed breath back into baseball and then later on you want to be like that was a bad thing um that's on mlb to test the players um and if you're not going to test them then yeah they're going to look for a competitive advantage and it rocked so i'm not mad about that Um, (laughs) i mean
1: here's the thing steroids didn't there's no way steroids help you hit a ball like make contact uh, right. that it, takes a level of skill that steroids doesn't help you with, you know, it might help you turn a, a fly ball to the warning track into a home run, but it's very hard to hit a baseball and steroids don't help you there. And for every batter that was on the juice, there was a pitcher thrown to him that was on the juice. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to deal with a guy who might unnaturally be hitting that hundred mile per hour that couldn't do it without a needle in his butt, you know?
2: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Um, There is no scientific evidence that uh, equates steroid usage uh, to hand-eye coordination. No. Just doesn't exist.
1: Makes your head bigger, but that's a different thing. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, so, So, judge for MVP of the world and the universe, and I'll put you on the spot, Marcus. We're not at the end of the season yet. Uh, Obviously, end of the regular season, but we're a little bit away from free agency. Is Judge a New York Yankee next year?
2: I got to say yes. Um, I just don't see how anybody, much like you can't be the guy to trade Mike Trout or Shohei Otani, you cannot be the GM especially when you're the New York Yankees. Like, you have an obligation to baseball. (laughs) (laughs) You have to keep this guy. He made an all-time bet, and now we can fill people in on the drama before the season. So Aaron Judge, he got the call-up when he was a bit older. In baseball, you have to play six seasons in order to hit free agency. Those six seasons, the team controls you. The first three years, you get paid bare minimum money, uh, which – for us is good money, but when you're yeah. a baseball player and you're covering a lot of your own expenses and you've mortgaged a lot of your future to try to get to this point, like you're living in debt, uh, and you very much are living on like bags of potatoes. Um, and it's a hard life for those guys coming up. Um, so when you make it to your three, you know, for four or five and six, you get arbitration. And so like either you or the team, can either mutually agree or you take it to an independent arbitrator to be like this is what you're actually worth based off of your performance plus what you got paid last right um so this year the yankees went to arbitration with judge they didn't sign him to an extension they didn't want to go uh uh on like a one-year hey like let's just call it even deal they wanted to go to arbitration with aaron judge which is absolutely insane it's a very adverse position to take uh, with your best player for a franchise that does not go to arbitration. The Yankees are very good about, hey, this is what we're going to pay you this season. You good with it? Yeah. Um, they only take players to arbitration who they're trying to chase out. The last guy we took to arbitration uh, was Dellin Patanzas, who mm-hmm. we, wanted, <laughs> we wanted out. Um, so, yeah, we went to arbitration with Judge. Thankfully, we reached a number, like, hours before arbitration Um, but to take it up to that point it's like what are you doing and you're daring him to bet on himself and cashman at the end of his year presser was talking about how when aaron judge is healthy i think he said health or healthy in regards to aaron judge like seven times in a 19 second clip and you can already tell that's the the angle that the yankees are going to take to not pay this dude 40 million dollars and there's an argument that he earned himself even more um i'm speculating that the number he was looking for was equal to if not greater than what trout got which is 35 annual value um and judge is a big labor guy he's always fighting for the players uh he's in there fighting the owners getting the players more opportunities oh.
0: nope.
2: um and getting more money so Judge understands that, hey, he just put up the best season that we've ever seen in baseball history um, and did it with the biggest franchise in baseball history with the lights on, the brightest that they've ever been. He's going to go get paid, and if Aaron Judge gets paid $500 million this offseason, I would say that they might have even gotten a deal. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I expect Aaron Judge to make... It, I think conversations start with $40 million annual, annual. Um, and the Giants have already come out and said they're looking to add. Um, they want to bring Judge home. He grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, Barry Bonds was one of his favorite players. So there's already an emotional aspect to going to play for the Giants. The Mets are going to have a lot of money coming off the books, and they have the new richest owner in baseball who loves to spend. Um, and give starting pitchers who pitch 15 games a year, 45, $50 million for a season. Uh, so he's looking to spend, um, you know, I would say that all 30 teams should be in on this guy, but there's going to be some teams that are just out like Tampa and Baltimore. There's going to be a lot of competition. Um, and he is the, the prettiest girl at the ball.
1: <laughs> I definitely agree with you. I think his, his pay per year will probably be the highest paid, you know, average annual value for any player in baseball. I don't know if he'll have the biggest overall contract because I don't know if some team is going to go and give him 10 years. Right. But my biggest concern, and, and this is something, if you're listening to this and you're not a Yankee fan, you probably have it in your mind that the Yankees are the Yankees of George Steinbrenner, where they'll just open up the pocketbooks And spend whatever it takes. The current regime is very frugal and Mm -hmm. they like to, I apologize, Marcus, but they like to fuck around and just see what happens. Sure do. They they like to, you know, be indirect and play games. And, you know, yeah, we could offer X, but let's try offering 20% less than X to see what the reaction is. And, my biggest concern is they can be doing this kind of diddle dallying and and this dance with judge. And as you mentioned, like the, the Mets or the giants can just swoop in and be like, Hey, we're not going to screw around. Here's our offer that blows the, the entry, the cashman entry offer out of the water and have him just be like, screw you guys. You know, that's my only concern is somebody needs to take the spending uh, the checkbook away from Cashman if he's not mm. willing to to make the the moves that are necessary.
2: And how, right? Yeah. Take so some higher power needs to come in and intervene. I don't care if it's George Steinbrenner reaching up from the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if
1: it's George Steinbrenner, or George Costanza, <laughs> whatever.
2: Yeah, Stop. I and the there's some crazy stat how like the Yankees are like plus uh, it's estimated like they win an extra like it's not exactly war but like judge factors into like an extra like 60 games that the yankees would win or something like that and yeah it's like there's no way that you can let this dude out the door um yeah. but we'll, we'll see, see. <laughs> we'll see um what so what's your project predi- your, your prediction
1: Ah, uh, i think you know gun to my head i think he ends up a yankee okay um I think, and I know nothing about him as a person, but I think if I had to guess, he probably really likes his teammates. You know, like, just the people that he's already friends with, whether it be Rizzo or Stanton or Glaber, there seems to be a genuine camaraderie there. Um, I can see there being some value in being the face of, the like, one of the biggest brands in sports. You know, in a major market. So even if the Giants offer you more money, it's like you can make that up in endorsements and merchandising and stuff like that being on the New York Yankees. Um, as long as New York doesn't come out and lowball them and try to dangle this alleged injury history uh, mm-hmm. during negotiations, and let's be real. Like, a lot of his injuries, like, okay, he was hit in the hand by a pitch. And it broke a a bone in his hand. Oh, yeah, that's his fault. You know, and missed a bunch of time for that. And the other little freak
2: injuries. He had a foot injury, which was misdiagnosed by the New York Yankees. And he had an intercostal injury, which was misdiagnosed by the New York Yankees.
1: Yeah. So it's not like he's just this lumbering guy that's breaking down like a Zion in the NBA. You know, He's, (laughs) he's a guy who for the most part is there for you every day. So as long as cashman doesn't try being a cheapskate, I think he's back on the Yankees. Uh, but I am not confident. I'd say I give it like a 65% chance. He's back
2: on the Yankees. Yeah. And we talked, I talked about money coming off the books for like the Mets and the giants. Uh, the Yankees have a lot of money coming off the books Aroldis Chapman, $15 million. Zach Britton is $12 million. That's almost $30 million right there. Plus you add on what you're going to pay Judge anyways. You've already cleared the annual value of Judge and you already have extra money to spend. So the money is there for the Yankees. It's just a matter of do they want to be the team that commits to this dude? It is a big contract, but also like it's earned. And if this guy has already taken you now to the ALCS, um, we'll see how far he goes. Just, I just can't see any universe where they let him let him go. But I can also see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like,
1: take the the performance on the field away. Like, how much is he contributing to your merchandising? And you're a man who knows all about making money at the merch table. And uh, you know. Your ticket sales and your television revenue and all of that stuff is going to take a massive hit if he's gone. You know, yes, you're going to lose a lot more games, too, but you're also going to make a lot less money. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration as well. But I digress. I think we made our case for Eric Judge uh, as like all world MVP. And all that is left, Marcus, is we are down to the final four teams. In the American League, we have the dreaded, hated Houston Astros versus the young upstarts, the New York Yankees. And we have the San Diego Padres versus the Philadelphia Fightin' Phillies. Why don't we start with the uh, National League? Who do you see
2: coming out of this series? So I think this is going to go six or seven. Um, it's like I love the hitting more. For the Phillies. Yeah. I think they have more, more clearly defined roles on their team. I feel like with the Padres, you Trent Grisham's been playing out of his mind, um, but it's like, don't let Machado beat you and watch out for Soto. Who still hasn't found the power in San Diego yet, but like you got to keep him off the base and don't let Machado hit a homer with like men on base. And I think you can beat the Padres. Um but the Padres pitching is crazy because they have four to five actual starters who can go Um, and they can piggyback two of those starters and really shut you out for a game four, no problem. Yeah. So like Philly's got to watch out for that, but I just feel like I think there's something to, and I I think we're seeing it. There's like, Playoffs can go one or two ways for teams where it's like either you're the hot team who like kind of had a middling season and like you get hot at the right time or you're just this powerhouse that's consistent through the whole season. And we've seen that on the AL with who came out. But on the NL, it's like two teams that turned on the Jets as, uh, you know, the calendar flipped over to September and October. So I'm going to ride the Phillies. Um, Yeah, I just feel like they they have it. And I think if they can get NOLA. And if they can get Wheeler to take the first two games, and if they can steal a game with the Suarez and Cindergard piggyback, mm-hmm. I think they've got it. I'm going to agree with you with the Phillies,
1: and this is my reason why. Uh, as you mentioned, Padres pitching is top-notch, and usually pitching in the playoffs is the most important thing. Like, a good pitcher will shut down a good hitter every single mm-hmm. time. Um, but I want to talk about what you said as far as momentum goes. If you go back to this Yankees versus Guardians series, and I don't mean this as any kind of insult on the Guardians, and I think you'll understand when you when you hear it. The Guardians had all of the momentum. The Guardians were the hot team. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have the, the, the talent... To, uh, that was necessary to put up the runs to compete with the Yankees. Uh, they had the talent to, to have these rallies in the ninth to get the bloop and the stolen base and the lucky hit and the the ex- they, they had the talent to make these kind of these rallies, but they didn't have the guys that consist could consistently put it over the porch. Right. The Phillies are the Guardians, but with a lot of extra power hitters thrown on top. Right. They are a team that can manufacture runs and rally in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and down by four. They have that kind of energy and pop. But at the same time, they have Rio Muto, they have Harper, uh, they have, I'm forgetting his name, their first name, Hoskins. They have these guys who are their judge and their Stantons, you know, who could just all of a sudden hit a three-run bomb. But they also have the guys that can hit the bloop single out of nowhere and, and get a right. couple ducks on the pond. Yeah. So I, I like the Padres pitching. I like their – maybe the top third of their lineup. But overall, I think the momentum being on the side of the Phillies, I like them making it to the World Series. And, you know, it would be a cool thing. Like,
2: good for the Phils. Yeah, good for the Phils. And, like, that's a team – they gave the big contract to Bryce Harper uh, a couple <laughs> seasons ago. And they kind of spent the first two years of that contract, like – Ooh, are we World Series contenders? And when you sign Bryce Harper to a $300 million contract, you pay him almost $30 million a year. You are you need to be a World Series contender. Um, yeah. And they finally went out this offseason, and they spent big on Cast uh, Castellanos, and they spent big on keeping Real Muto last season.
1: And I forgot about Schwarber. That's Schwarber's guy. another like guy that they paid. Yep. Tested.
2: Yeah. Yep, he came in. So, yeah, they have, like, four or five dudes who can clear the fence easily, but then they also have four or five dudes who can get on base, um, but can also make a blast happen too, like Alec Boehm, their rookie third baseman. Uh, he's a guy who could easily take you deep, or he could work a walk, or he could just get a single in there. He's kind of one of those like X-factor players that you worry about in the bottom of the lineup.
1: Yeah, and they have, uh, I'm just pulling it up right now because I forget his name, they have a rookie utility infielder. Uh, Virlin, or... Uh, Matt starts with a V. No, you know what? My fantasy baseball app is not logged in on my new phone, but uh, um, I don't have it in front of me. But the, whoever is a Phillies fan is probably yelling at this. But it's a guy who's like in the top five or six of uh, Rookie of the Year finalists. Oh, uh, Veerling, yeah, that might be him. But
2: I think it's Matt Bealing.
1: Uh So they have a lot of young guys. They have veterans, like I mentioned. But uh, the the they the, the have. Postseason experience. I like the Phillies. I won't go, I won't belabor the points. Marcus. Oh, they also have Bryson Stott. Maybe that's Bryson Stott's the too. guy okay. I was thinking of. Yeah. Bryson Stott. Uh, the reason why he sticks in my head is he was, uh, I, I want to say like high school, like teammate with Bryce Harper and like they're buddies and like they trained together and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So he, yep. he came out of camp, like, uh, people were really high on him. He had a slow start to the season, but he turned it on after the break. Yeah. He's out of Nevada. Yeah. All right, last one. Astros versus Yankees. Marcus, what's your prediction? The Houston Astros. Yeah, same.
2: Um, (laughs) For everything great about the New York Yankees that we just waxed eloquently about, um, the New York Yankees have glaring outfielding problems. Um, They have a glaring problem with investing a season into a stopgap shortstop in Isaiah Conner Falefa, hmm. who had played one great defensive season, which was the COVID shortened 60 some game season, and he played at third base hmm. um, for a team that nobody was watching or caring about. Uh, we played him all season. He ranked towards the bottom of the league defensively, but Aaron Boone and the Yankees front office kept saying that he's one of the best shortstops in the game. But when it turned out that when our backs were against the wall and we needed to put our very best lineup in to save the season, IKF rode the bench. Yeah. And it was very apparent early on in April that uh, as Waldo Cabrera was ready, and that's who Cashman had even mentioned hey, we're not going to spend big because we have Peraza and we have Cabrera coming up, and they're almost ready. Cabrera needs to work on his hitting. He went on a power tear, got called up. He's been amazing, but we wouldn't play him at shortstop. We'd play him in the outfield. We'd play him at second base. Well, he's finally playing shortstop, and he's making great plays, um, and we kind of use him as a utility guy. So I'm hoping that we stick with Cabrera at short. IKF cannot be on this roster. He's taking up a roster spot because he can only play shortstop and he doesn't play it well. So yeah. there's nowhere else to play him. Um, I worry about our bullpen. They were heavily used down the stretch to end the season plus the Guardian series. Um, you know, Wandy Peralta pitched all five games. <laughs> yeah, first time ever that that's happened. Yeah, so... You know, he could continue pitching out of his mind, right, and just kind of like empty everything he has into this postseason and then probably be a bum the rest of his career. (laughs) (laughs) Still be Yankee legend, yeah. Right. Um, But the Astros are just this juggernaut that they just keep reloading. Um, They just keep replenishing from their farm system. They plan these things out. They lost Carlos Correa, probably the best shortstop in baseball. If not, he's top three, top five. Um, lost Springer. They lost Springer a couple seasons ago. No problem. Like they just keep replacing players with guys from their farm system. Um, they had Verlander miss a season. No problem. Like they just replaced them with arms from their farm system. It's. It's almost like I'm jealous of just how well they run their organization. And that's, what's so frustrating going back to 2017 is that they didn't need to cheat to beat us. Um, they are that good. Uh, top to bottom. Now, unlike those the 2017 year, their lineup is not as stacked. You get past the first five of their lineup, and you've got some easy outs, six, seven, eight, nine. nine. But they're still very top heavy. Like Alvarez is gonna give us some some sleepless nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um he's gonna clip us for sure. is gonna clip us for sure. Um Kyle Tucker's probably gonna have a big game somewhere. Bregman. Bregman always clips. Yeah. Like those are their big players you gotta watch out for. Um
1: I I think so I agree with just everything you said. My biggest concerns uh going into this series, Astros notwithstanding. Like Yankees, the current Yankees coming out of that Guardian series against any playoff team that's left in this playoffs. I I would be hard pressed to pick the Yankees to win because of just the fiasco of our pitching staff going into the playoffs was Mm -hmm. depleted and weak. And then you get this five game series where everybody was used. Almost everybody was used to their maximum. And then they got to show up tomorrow in Houston and play a super refreshed Astros team that was able to completely reset their bullpen, reset their pitching rotation. Yankees, everybody's going in there with, like, not a full week's arrest. And, yes, we're starting the series with Tyon, But even he had that relief appearance during the, the Guardians series. So from a pitching standpoint, yes, maybe Cole in some world could line up against Verlander. And they can j- both equal each other's zeros. I, don't, I think Verlander still has the edge. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting that matchup. And we're not getting their number two against our number two. It's just the the pitching rotation is just so messed up based on injuries, based on the playoffs, all that. And you mentioned that the back half of the Astros lineup is weak. I love the New York Yankees, but we field so many automatic outs on a daily basis. There are players on that team that if they get a single, I am shocked. You know, there's auto- Hicks, automatic out. Uh, Trevino lately, automatic yep. out. Glaber up until these playoffs was a automatic out. IKF, God help us, automatic out.
2: Uh, okay. Bader's supposed to be an automatic out. Yeah. He he's playing to. out of his mind.
1: Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez is an automatic out. Uh, there's sometimes if Judge or Stanton or Rizzo are on a cold streak, those yeah. are some guys that are like... As much as I love them, and they they put up a lot of runs in this last playoff series, if you want to talk, who do I trust to be more consistent? uh, Like Bregman, uh, Altuve, or the other Astro top of their lineup, or Judge, Stanton, and and Rizzo? I think that there's going to be entire games where the Yankee power hitters just don't show up, and that's what Yankees.
2: Just hit. If I saw the stat correctly. They just hit like 182 during the Guardian series, yeah. which is the lowest recorded team batting average for a team to win a series in advance in the postseason. Yeah, it, I, they were saved by the home runs. You yeah, know? the bats are cold. The Yankees bats are absolutely cold. Um, we turned it on for two games, um, but again, it's the long ball. Um, and Houston doesn't give them up. Houston doesn't give them up for one, and Houston can they can play that game or they can just slap singles and doubles um, and cut you that way. We've seen the Yankees win lots of different kind of ways during the season, but like our tried and true formula, it's the extra base hits. Um, We got to get men on base and we got to capitalize during those moments. We can't have judge going two for 14 in a series with 13 strikeouts.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I can't have base running errors by Donaldson, another guy who's most often a, an automatic out. You Don't know? get me started on that, yeah. <laughs> so Astros, how many games do they, did the Yankees take one or two or three? Six. Did they take a series of it? Astros cool. and six. See, you're giving the Yankees too, more credit than I would. Um, <laughs> so it's a best of seven. Does it go three, two, and two?
2: I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about the the layout of it. Like, I just, I don't see us taking any of them in Houston. Uh, I don't know, man. I I, I think best case is five. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I would love a miracle season, but like I see Astros in five. Um, I see Yankees maybe squeaking out one, like the Cole Cole outing, because it'll probably, Garrett Cole will line up against a back of the rotation starter for the Astros, and we'll somehow get that one. You know, and I don't know. I, I say five, Astros and five.
2: Yeah, I think the um because of the collective bargaining agreement delay this season, it's I know it's like this for the NL and I think it's like this for the AL. It's you get your rest day after like game one or two, and then you only have one more rest day. And then I think once you get to games like five, six, and seven once it goes back to the once it goes back to home field advantage there's no more off days so after game was that after game five or is it yeah i'm not sure two, i'm very fuzzy two, three two and two right i'm not sure if that's right but whatever <laughs> it is um yeah whatever it is after yeah like there's no more there's no more travel so uh no more travel travel days off so I think that benefits the Astros, but at the same time, the Yankees have only played five games in the last 17 days. Uh, and I think it's even like four and 14 if you want to lower it. So <sighs> Yankees ideally should be rested, but yeah, I don't know after, after that guarding series, it just feels like Houston has us again. They just yeah. been better managed. They've been prepared. Like we were kind of peeking into the playoffs back in, to, um July and August, the Astros have been looking into the playoffs since <laughs> April or May.
1: <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we're wrong. You know, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, as much of a Yankee homers as we are, we try to be realistic with our expectations based on what we've seen. So we are basically, I th- you said you were for the Phillies, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So we're yeah. both basically saying Phillies, Astros, and the World Series. I know it's a long way out. You can't predict what happened in the series leading up to it. But if that series was starting right now, who's winning that? Uh, I'm going to go with the Houston Astros. Yeah, I I think, aside from Schwarber and maybe a couple guys that I'm forgetting about, you know, there's not a lot of playoff battle-tested people on the Phillies. Uh, People forget that the Nationals won a World Series after they lost Harper, you know, so... Uh, I I don't think we need to go into great detail on it, but uh, man, I hate to say it, but those damn cheating Astros are my World Series pick. We mentioned
2: earlier how Seattle had the longest playoff drought in major sports. Well, the Phillies had the second longest uh, that they ended this year. Um, So yeah, there's, and Gene Segura had the most at-bats for somebody not in the playoffs uh, in major league, like in recent major league history, like in the last 50 years or something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that roster is not playoff tested. Um, hopefully, uh, like ignorance is kind of bliss for them. But yeah,
0: yeah
2: I just think it's the Astros and like it also comes down to managing like Dusty Baker is one of the best baseball managers of all time, in my opinion. Uh, definitely has his, his faults, but and shortcomings as a manager. But I love Dusty Baker and he's the perfect manager for that team to navigate them uh, out of the the cheating scandal. Uh, and the different major departures they've had through free agency. Uh, Yeah, I just think Astros have the advantage. Pitching, hitting, fielding, coaching, home field advantage. It all lines up Houston.
1: Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not hoping that that's what happens. Absolutely not. Yeah, if I'm I'm a betting man, that's the way I'm going. Uh, If the Yankees can't win the World Series, I'm rooting for the Phils. Absolutely Uh, If the Phils can't do it, I'm rooting for the Padres. Mm -hmm. If the Padres can't do it, I'm rooting it. They just call off the season. Uh, (laughs) But if I got to pick a winner, it's going to be the Astros.
2: Yeah, I hope the earth opens up and uh, swallows (laughs) Houston whole.
1: Yeah, at least the stadium, an empty stadium. But Marcus,
2: I think this was a successful episode. What about you? Uh highly successful. I super enjoyed myself, and uh, you know maybe we need to run it back for football season or something.
1: Ooh, yeah, maybe uh, preview the the playoffs, see what those Chiefs are up to. I, I hear that the the Bills just won their Super Bowl.
2: Well, they sure did. <laughs> um, yeah, you know they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a tough, hard fought game, and don't you know it that they are now the class of the AFC. <laughs> just like last year, and where to get him.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say is that Mitch Trubisky beat Tom Brady. So, yeah,
2: like, so much for legacy. <laughs> I'm so happy that y'all beat Tom Brady in the, the Bucks. Uh, Tom Brady who is ditching practice on Wednesdays, who ditched practice on Friday, who hung out with his buddies on Saturday and didn't mm-hmm. do the team walkthrough, and he just walks in on Sunday expecting to beat a professional football team. And I don't care who you are. Yeah, you're that's not going to happen that easily. So I'm happy your Steelers put it on them. Uh, I'm happy you lost to both a rookie quarterback and a, a bad quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> a very uh, handsome, bad quarterback, though. Very that handsome. Very easy. handsome, given that um, a defense that's without <laughs> their best player. Uh, yeah. Loved it. And uh, thank you for that. So, hey, absolutely. Yeah, Steelers. that'll be,
1: that'll be our next episode of Sports Talk. Uh, I, I do
2: have a, a football question to ask you. Oh, all right. Um, you've never been in this position before because much like my Kansas city chiefs, your Pittsburgh Steelers are winners. You okay. are a winning franchise. There's no true. shade whatsoever. Appreciate I love my yep. Tomlin as a head coach, the standard of excellence that the, the Steelers have. I respect the heck out of uh, even the last couple seasons where you should have thrown the towel. And you have duck Hodges in there. (laughs) You find a way to make it to 500 and to be in the playoff race the last week of the season. Um, That said, you have the rare opportunity to possibly get. Oh, there's that word again (laughs) to possibly get the first, second, third pick of the upcoming NFL draft without your team tanking. Mm -hmm. Like you guys didn't go into the season like, hey, we're tanking like. You, paid, you have a lot of players you're paying a lot of money to. You have a lot of good draft picks from uh, the last draft, like George Pickens. Um, what do you want? Do you want your team who's probably doesn't have a Super Bowl run in them, mm-hmm. um, but maybe they could make the playoffs and be one and done again? Do you want to continue that, or do you want to tank? Uh, not tank, but do you yeah. want to see your team sure. competitively um, – not win. (laughs) Oh yeah, I get you. Um, that's a very good question. I,
1: here's the thing. Even if the Steelers get a middle of the draft pick, I think the Steelers have demonstrated. They're very good at player evaluation selection. All of their wide receiver hits are late round guys. Uh, you know, they, they never draft a wide receiver in the first couple of, uh, like the first couple picks of a draft. They never take a running back like really high. Uh, even uh, our quarterback this year, he wasn't uh, 17th overall, something like that. You know, so Kenny Pickett wasn't like a number one overall pick. So I don't feel like they need the number one overall pick, the number two overall pick, the number three overall pick to get great value in the draft. Uh, for me, my goal going into this season is my same goal I had going into last season, which I assumed was a lost season. Uh, is well, last year it was B8 and 8 or better. You know, this year there's an extra game. So my fingers crossed hope is 9 and 7, which I think is unrealistic, but that's my pie in the sky thing. Like where you have Super Bowl aspirations. I, my aspirations for nine and seven, mm-hmm. uh, I think if they can somehow squeeze that out, I mean, they're one game out of first place right now. And they're, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's insane. <laughs> uh, they're one game behind the, the Bengals, who they have a win on and the Ravens, you know, so, uh, I, I would like to continue Tomlin's streak of never having a losing season. Um, my last losing season was with Tommy Maddox at quarterback in 2003. I remember that season, even then that was seven and nine. So that wasn't like this terrible, like Cleveland Browns type season. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so my, my dream is to finish nine and seven. You get a middling middle of the row draft pick. I mean, TJ Watt was a middle of the first round guy, you know, uh, Antonio Brown, say what you want about him. He was a sixth round guy. Yeah. So I think Pittsburgh is good at at selecting talent. It's not like they're going to go and try to get a quarterback. So let's go. Let's try to go 500 or a game above 500.
2: That's the thing. Cause like, if you end up with a top five pick, you're in the quarterback conversation with three good ones coming out this year. I know it's a good running back class too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the quarterbacks are going to go high this year, especially since last year was kind of sparse with the quarterbacks. So it's like, do you already toss in the towel on picket, which some teams have done like Arizona going uh, Josh Rosen and then the next year going Kyler Murray and just be like, hey, it's not working out. Let's take another quarterback. That's what the analytics say to do. But also you guys are going to get value no matter where you are. So, like, do you trade back? Do you trade out? Like
1: I can tell you if I had to put uh, a bet on it and I don't follow a lot of college football, but I can see them taking uh, Joey Porter's kid out of Penn State. Mm. Uh first round talent uh cornerback.
0: Okay. And
1: Pittsburgh needs secondary help. Uh they need offensive line and secondary. Uh and that's a guy who, you know, already has ties to the Pittsburgh organization, plays in Pennsylvania, um, would address an immediate need, a glaring need. So and, and they're saying middle to, to late first round. So I can see that with him, you know. Okay. So we'll see. Again, we'll address that uh hopefully when we get back together. Absolutely. Marcus, do you have anything to plug? Uh,
2: Final Wrestling Place right here on the soon-to-be-named network with myself and Mr. Tim. Uh, if you happen to be unfamiliar, we take the announced professional wrestling uh, and we put them into either a good place or the bad place. Uh, and another podcast, uh, also do with Mr. Tim, is Viewer's Choice, where after every major WWE premium live event and AEW <laughs> pay-per-view, uh, we give you a quick breakdown uh you know 40 50 minutes or so and tell you what to watch what to skip uh, and let you know who the mvp of the show is and then a a third project i have going on is over on the north south connection uh, where you can find various choice as well Uh, and that is with jt and we do wwe war which is where we take a baseball style analytical analytical based approach towards wwe pay-per-views review them in seasons starting with the first pay-per-view after wrestlemania and ending with that year's wrestlemania as opposed to a traditional january to december look um and we have different different categories that we give like a plus minus points based system um too so uh that's a fun project where right now we are finishing up 2004 2005. so go
1: ahead and check those out nice Obviously, this has been a special presentation of Porch Talk, uh, my regular weekly podcast with Todd Roker from Long Box Heroes. Um, but go ahead and also check me out on At Odds with Wrestling. And this coming Friday, myself and many people from the Soon to Be Named Network will be at Sokol's in Bethlehem for the LVAC Let's Hang Out event. And, uh, I'm going to cheer on Gummy Boar. Uh, everybody can go and have their own individual agendas, but that's uh, that's why I go. That and the, the like the three dollar bottled beers, but uh, should be a it. good time.
2: Yeah, can't beat that. And uh, I think I, I think I might show up there too.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Sweet.
1: Looking forward to seeing you there, buddy, and anybody else that comes out. But again, Marcus, thank you. I won't keep you on. I, I assume when I originally contacted you about this, I was like, maybe we'll talk for a half hour. 45 (laughs) minutes uh but it's going on now almost two hours uh but uh thank you again for coming on and uh again this has been sports talk
2: you're listening to the soon to be named network the lamborghini (laughs) of podcast network